Good afternoon, everyone. I am currently driving home after a shift at the hospital, uh, but was not doing any clinical work today, so it was a nice change of pace. I've actually, I don't think I've done this um, since um, I started working in North Georgia. Um, usually I'm going to the hospital um, to work a shift, and otherwise I'm really just working at home. Um, so it was a nice and normal day, actually. Um, got home from a shift um, last night. I got off at 10 o'clock, drove home, um, ate a quick meal when I got back, really just a snack, and then um, got to bed because I had to be up at um, 6 a.m. this morning. Um, got on the road and got to the hospital by 7.45 and um, got to head out around 4 p.m. Um, after a day of interviewing uh, residency candidates, which was very interesting. Um, it, was, uh, it was good to see a group of people that are um, still fresh and uh, really excited to dive into emergency medicine as a career um, and to hear what they've done and to hear where they want to go, where their interests lie. Um, so it was really refreshing. Um, I worked uh, four days in a row clinically starting last Friday, worked through the weekend another busy set of shifts. Saturday was a little bit, uh, was a little bit more relaxed. I worked, uh, started my shift at 6 a.m. And um, I find that it's always, uh, you know, when there's a cold snap, when it, you know, first kind of drops down into the twenties, um, you get that bit of cold air. Um, people tend to tend to stay home uh, more often uh, than coming to the ER. So it wasn't too bad. And then as the day kind of warmed up, things kind of picked up um, as uh, as I expected um, that Saturday. Um, but the other days, Friday was busy. Sunday, I had a shift working with a couple of residents um, at our um, at our one of our sister facilities, not the main campus. Um, worked yesterday at uh, a nine bed ER um, and. This morning, got to the hospital and spent the day interviewing a bunch of candidates, um, like I said, which was uh, really refreshing and just had the opportunity to do something not clinical, um, spend time with my colleagues um, throughout the day today, which I don't really get to do uh, because I live in Atlanta and I'm usually just in and out of my shift. And so... Um, uh, don't really spend all that time just kind of sitting around chatting. We're always usually just busy uh, working. And so that was nice. It was great to connect with them uh, professionally uh, on a different on a different scale or different way, I guess. Um, but yeah, overall, really great day. Um, and the candidates I feel like we're, we interviewed are um, just so talented. I think people have done so much. Um, people that are applying to residency have accomplished so much in a, in a relatively short amount of time, unless they're coming from a background, um, outside of medicine before, um, they are going into medical school and kind of taking, uh, what, what I guess folks in medicine call a non-traditional route where you're not going directly from an undergraduate degree into medical school and then straight into residency. Um, so there were a couple of people and um, very talented people. They had, you know, robust careers from what it sounds like before them, but, you know, made the decision 
um, based on life experience um, to go into medicine. And um, I really admire that. I mean, that's a, that takes a leap. I mean, the level of commitment that you're signing up for uh, is quite a bit, you know, to have a professional career. Um, and I'm thinking about my friends that have careers and um, since graduating college and to make the decision around 28, 29 years old, um, after you graduated college at 22, you're seven, eight years into your career to decide that you're going to um, change fields. And not only are you going to change fields and change jobs and careers, but you're going to go back to school and you're going to go back to school that is incredibly demanding. Um, you have to reprioritize your entire life. You may have a family or you may be married um, and your priorities have to switch um, and shift entirely. Um, you have to become more selfish. Um, you have to take care of yourself. You got to study, you got to pass, you got to get good grades. You got to spend countless hours in the hospital. Um, and to make that sacrifice at 29, you know, 30 years old or whatever that age is, you know, at least five years out of college and decide to go back into medicine. I think that's, um, I think that life experience or that desire to do so um, is really, really powerful. And of course, these folks are now four years into medical school. They're getting ready to apply to residency. But the crazy thing is that it's not just four years. You have to commit beyond that and into your residency training because the minimum amount of uh, training that you're going to face is three years. Um, if you're going to do uh, uh, some a residency like emergency medicine, some emergency medicine residencies are four years. The vast majority are three years. But if you're going to go into emergency medicine or family medicine or internal medicine or pediatrics, you might be looking at a three-year residency. But if you decide to do something else, you may be looking at five, six, seven years, maybe even longer if you decide to do something like neurosurgery. Um, so you're making a sacrifice that is definitely life-changing. Um, you're reprioritizing everything in your life. You're taking on a massive amount of debt and, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a hard left turn and, um, or right turn, whichever way you want to go, you want to look at it, but you're, you're changing course pretty, uh, uh, pretty good. And, um, like I said, there were a couple of applicants that are non-traditional and taking that route. And I admire that a lot. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I was in a career for six or seven years, if I would decide to completely change um, fields and then go back to school and say that I'm going to commit myself to taking on debt not making any money for the next four years while I go to medical school and then taking a huge pay cut um, for the following three to however many years residency is going to be um, starting at, let's say, 30 years old. I'm not sure that I would do that, to be honest. Um, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty drastic change. Um, so kudos to those folks that do that. I've known some folks previously that have um, taken a non-traditional route and, um, yeah, I just really admire that. Um, I think that there's a certain level of maturity that folks that are non-traditional applicants have. And I think that's generally 
probably what most folks feel when they're interviewing somebody that has um, previous life experience, a previous career, um, and they're coming in with a with a with an outlook uh, based on that previous experience. And um, I don't think that they have a tendency to be more mature, but I think that because they are older, they've had other experiences. I think that lends itself to those applicants coming off as more mature. There's certainly applicants that are traditional that are very mature. I was a traditional applicant. Um, that's just kind of the way most people um, go through the process of um, going from undergraduate to medical school and um, ultimately to residency. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was just uh, my first interviewee um, was a non-traditional applicant and spent some time talking to that person. And it's just a fascinating story. Everybody's backgrounds um, are fascinating. I, I think that what I found this cycle is that everybody has a story about um, what led them to um, to medicine. And um, I think that's so cool. Um, I don't think that I have one particular story. I think it's kind of a conglomerate of things. Um, everybody has a story about either medicine or what led them into um, emergency medicine in particular. And so um, that's always great to hear. It's interesting to hear people's perspectives of what led them to the choosing the field that um, they're applying to. Um, there was one particularly memorable story um, that wasn't really about, it wasn't about how this person got into emergency medicine, but we were deep into a conversation um, about um, self-care, which I think is incredibly important. And I think I've talked a little bit about it previously. Um, the job that an ER doctor, an ER nurse, um, an ER PA or nurse practitioner does is incredibly stressful. Um, we see a lot of difficult things. We see illness and sick kids and um, geriatric patients um, who, who is somebody mom, who's somebody's mom, who's somebody's dad, they're not taking care of. We see death and dying. Um, we deliver bad news. Um, we see trauma. There's a lot of things that emergency medicine, uh, providers, um, bear the burden. And a lot of the times that's very isolating. And, um, I was deep into a conversation um, about this topic, about self-care with one of the applicants, one of the interviewees. And um, this person shared a story um, about the most difficult time in their young career so far um, in medicine and shared um, a story about a young five-year-old boy um, that um, was getting his new bicycle, got his new bicycle, was riding down the street um, and got run over by a drunk driver, um, going about 60 miles an hour is what the report was. Um, uh, sorry, trying to share the story as clearly as possible because when she was sharing the story, it, you know, really, it, it kind of choked me up because it's always difficult to hear. And I can't imagine being in that moment and what that's like. Um, and, she talked about the entire process of 
um, taking care of, of this young boy and um, the, just the entire experience. And in particular, having to sort of dissociate yourself while you're in the moment so that you can perform your job. Because if you let emotion take over you in that moment, you may not be able to do your job if you realize what's going on. And I agree with this person when they say this, that if you realize what's going on in that moment, um, and that overwhelming emotion or sadness or grief takes over, you may not be able to perform your job to the best of your ability and something may be compromised. And you have to compartmentalize what you're doing in the moment to take care of this young, sick child that is having the absolute worst moment of their young life and deliver care that is medically sound, evidence-based, and gives them the best chance of survival. And she described having to almost kind of like just dissociate and just go through the motions of like, it's like a, it's like a problem that you're looking at in a textbook and you're just doing like a review question about what you would do in these situations and going through the ABCs of the moment. And then she also described what happens when you leave that situation and she described interacting with the patient's mother and she described the eventual outcome of that case, which unfortunately was that that patient died and she had to watch that child die. And that is awful. I mean, I have seen my fair share of death and dying. I think most ER doctors have seen their fair share of death and dying. Um, I had a patient die uh, yesterday and delivering bad news, I know I've said it on here before, is my least favorite thing. It's probably the worst part, one of the worst parts of the job and it never gets easy and it never is going to, it's never going to get easy. Um, but I really empathize with this person um, who was sharing this very um, emotional, um, very raw story of um, this experience of this grief that she felt, um, you know, seeing the mom come into the room, um, after her child had, had died and, um, trying to figure out how to compartmentalize and, you know, doing it in the moment. Um, and she felt as though she successfully did compartmentalize because she was, able to talk to the family. She was able to communicate with her colleagues. She was able to function as part of the ER team, which is critical. Um, but then when she left the shift, she went home and she allowed herself to feel those emotions. She allowed herself to process what had happened. And um, you have to do that. And you have to figure out a way to process your emotions and not let it affect you for the remainder of your career. And we're dealing with um, situations that are high stress, 
um, emotionally traumatic, um, and they're not easy. And we talked about those mechanisms. We talked about how she got through it. Um, she shared that her, um, her sister is an ER nurse and she talked about it. And the advice that she got was that she had to talk about it. Now, everybody's going to be a little bit different. Not everybody's going to want to talk about it. Not everybody's going to want to talk about it with a family member. Not everybody's going to want to talk about it with a colleague. Maybe somebody's going to want to talk about it with a therapist. Maybe somebody is not going to want to talk about it at all. Um, and, um, I thought that was incredibly, incredibly, um, powerful, um, as a story, of course, um, but incredibly powerful in terms of her ability, um, to recognize that, um, not only can this happen, but it will happen in her career and the importance of starting to develop these tools um, while in residency um, and as a medical student, actually, because she started already started to do that and to practice them while you have a large support system around you in the form of attendings and program leadership and your co-residents who can support you through this process. Um, so, um, you know, throughout the entire day of all the talking that we did, the multiple interviews, I think we did over like 10, inter 10 candidate interviews. Um, that probably stuck out the most, probably because of the emotion that's tied to it, right? If you have, um, you know, you're more likely to remember anything that has an emotional feeling attached to it. And just remember, you know, it was like early in the morning, first few interviews, we're talking about this, drinking a cup of coffee. And of course, we're doing this virtually. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's, uh, it's a difficult conversation to have. And, um, I'm super thankful that she shared that, uh, story with me. Um, and I'm glad that, um, she's developed tools to, um, to deal with those types of situations. So, um, yeah, on a lighter note, um, I think that the day went great overall. Of course, everything was virtual. So, um, except with, uh, spending time with my colleagues, there were five of us there. Um, and, uh, the style of interviews, I guess I didn't really explain how they work. It's really just like a round Robin. It's five different interviews. Not really, it's not a panel. Uh, it's 20 minute slots each little presentation in between for the groups that we separate between the morning and the afternoon. So there's a one hour presentation in the, in the middle, we get a one hour lunch. And so it felt like a really, really normal day, which in a field where you work crazy shifts, abnormal hours. Um, it was nice to get up, take a shower, get a cup of coffee, get in the car, get to work, do what I needed to do at work, take a lunch break, do what I needed to do. And now I get to go home. And so, um, I'm almost home now. Uh, I've got another 15 minutes left of my drive. It's been a little bit of a long drive. I think I've been on the road. I will have been on the road a total of um, probably 75 minutes. Um, Atlanta traffic is back and booming more than ever, it seems. And uh, my drives have been getting longer and longer. So uh, we're back to <laughs> we're back to these long, crazy drives. Um, but uh, not too bad when I get to decompress and um, record an episode and talk about my day uh, certainly helps. And um, 
very, very rewarding overall. Um, a few laughs, interesting stories, interesting perspectives, lots of very talented people that are have big dreams, and uh, I admire the heck out of that. Um, emergency medicine training is not a walk in the park, but uh, I'm confident that all of those people that we interviewed today have the talent um, to succeed in uh, in a residency program. So uh, I'm excited to do more. I'm going to be doing residency interviews once a month at the very least. Um, it's an exciting time. It's cool to see, um, you know, the future classes take shape. It kind of shapes the residency's future and the culture of the classes and the type of people that come in and um, how they interact with uh, the ER attendings and the other programs. And um, it's really cool to see what everybody wants to do and how how they're going to come in and make an impact. Um, so very, very cool, very positive day. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, we are headed out of town tomorrow to um, travel and um, hopefully have a very enjoyable Thanksgiving. I hope everybody has uh, has a happy Thanksgiving. I hope everybody travels safely. Um, don't get into a car wreck. Don't end up in the ER. Um, drink your water along with your turkey and your wine or whatever your your drink of choice is. Um, I have had my water today. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't forget that I need to mention my water intake. I'm at half a liter. I got a half a liter to go and probably another liter after that, because I have been really, really down on my water intake, but I did have coffee today and I had a, I had a nice, uh, pineapple and peach, uh, kombucha. So add that to the, uh, healthy category there. Um, all right. Well, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Until next time.